Oh, good evening, everybody. You're listening to Nick Knacks, and it's Thursday, March 30th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And that was Psalm 94, uh, so, sorry, not Psalm 94, Psalms 104, sung in ancient Hebrew. I put that up in the room. Um, just really good sounding, feel good music, right? I'm so glad to have you all here. Good evening. Good evening, Brother Jeff. Thank you for joining me tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Can you hear me okay? Hello? You sound, whoops, you sound great on my end. Okay. Can in the audience hear Jeff okay? Yep. We got thumbs up. Good. Good deal. Because where I'm sitting, I may go in and out. If I do, I apologize. But yeah, I'm doing great. I like, I like your music there. I was like I was envisioning... Uh, Setting on a rug somewhere with belly dancers. <laughs> yeah, I saw and <laughs> her comment on there. I was like, yeah, that's what I was going for. You know, just some feel good, you know, bring you back to ancient times and put you in the place, especially with tonight's topic. And, you know, we've got Easter coming up or Passover. Um, and, you know, so I was like, oh, what can we do tonight? And. I'd been, you know, of course, watching The Chosen. Um, still, I'm not finished yet, but I've catching up on it. And so I was just like, yeah, we got to have some some of the good Hebrew music. <laughs> so Ryan's saying, pass the bread, right? Yeah. So we're getting ready to, I don't know. Um, Jeff, are y'all going to do, do you do the feast? Do you do the traditional Passover feast or um, and the unleavened bread or? What do, how do y'all celebrate? No, we we don't get into the um, the Jewish tradition, although we probably should. Um, it's just something that I've never practiced. Um, God's never laid it on my heart to do that. Um, again, it's probably something that we all should, as we'll talk a little bit tonight. Um, but this is the most important week coming up to me in all of the world's history. Um, and, and I take it so serious that I have refused to even work on Good Friday. I mean, I've, I've told my employer before that you can fire me, you can, whatever you need to do, but I'm just telling you, I won't be here on Good Friday kind of thing, because this is, I think sometimes this is a, it, it's a holiday. I don't, I don't even really like to use that word, but it's a holiday that most people, we understand some of what's entitled in it, but I don't think we take it to the full capacity of what it really is because it should be everyone's favorite time of the year for the fact that this is, you know, starting on Monday, we're going, we're going into a transition. This, this really starts the whole story of Jesus's ministry and walk to the cross. Um, and I'm not going to get into a lot of theology tonight. I'm going to try to keep this very simple, but, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, this is a very important time because this is where Jesus became the Passover for us. Um, that sacrificial lamb, if you would. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, I'm sure. But um, I appreciate you having me on tonight, Nikki. I know Podbean has been giving you a fit. It's been giving everybody a fit. So, Hopefully, Lord, if you would, just, just lay your hands upon us tonight and let it go in the direction that you want it to and, and let everything function properly, Lord. 
Amen to that. Yes, because uh, Podbean has been a little booger to several of us. Sorry about the dogs. Uh, Jack just got home, and of course, the dogs are green. So I'm going to mute out for just a second. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot all of a sudden, but I'm going to mute so that way they hush. Yeah, so, you know, back on what we were talking about, you know, Passover is a big question um, to a lot of people. Um, and you can actually start reading about this all the way back into Genesis, or not Genesis, Exodus chapter 3, um, where you start getting the story of the plagues. And most people, you're aware of the plagues, you know, the, the, the lice and, and the blood, the river turning to blood and stuff of that nature. And all these were things that, because Pharaoh what he did to the Israelites, but it goes a lot deeper, you know, and I've always found it interesting that Passover started during this time. Um, and there's a lot of symbology that I think a lot of people miss from that. And we'll talk about one, like I said, I'm not, I'm going to try to keep this very simple, but Passover is a very important time of the year. I mean, it is exactly what it says, Passover, because if you begin to read the story and the story really picks up in, in Exodus chapter 11, um, down about verse 4, and I'll read that verse for you. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, now he's saying, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I, notice that word, I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill and all the firstborn of the beast. So we're getting the, we're getting the understanding here that the Lord has looked upon Pharaoh, what he's done with, with the Israelites or his, let's just refer to it tonight as his people. Um, God has looked down and he's very angry at what he has seen that he's allowed for so many years. And he's basically saying enough is enough. Um, and thus comes this, this word that we get the Passover. Um, so, you know, it really starts out in Exodus 11, um, which is referred to a lot of times as the final plague, which is, you know, go on down in chapter five and keep reading on. And it gets a little more in depth when you get over to about chapter 12 and even goes into, um, chapter 13, uh, Moses gives the warning. Okay. in verse four, so God give Moses the warning and Moses pretty much relays it. Okay, so Passover in the Bible originates from the book of Exodus. Now, we know that, and there's several other places in the Bible where Passover is talked about, but this is, this is an originating in the book of Exodus when God instructed Moses and Aaron and the Israelites, notice, and the Israelites, all the people, to mark their houses with lamb's blood, which is also in chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 7. Um, and I'll read that real quick for you here so that you, you can get a better understanding. Um, so in verse 7, and they shall take the blood and they shall strike it. Now I want you to, I want you to pay attention to what I'm fixing to say because I'm going to tell you something towards the end that it's going to be a, a little golden nugget for you. It's going to be an aha moment, okay? In verse 7, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on two sides post and on the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat in or eat it. Okay, so notice here he's telling them you're going to take the lamb's blood and you're going to strike the post on one side 
and the post on the other side of your door. And you're also going to put it across the top on the top board of the door. All right, but let's pay attention here real quick. Something that I found very interesting. Nowhere did God say and put it on the threshold of the door. Now, that seems a little weird in a way because that's how something would enter into the door, right? Why would you not put the blood on the bottom? And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but anyhow, so he, he tells them to mark these, and, and we know why. If you've read the story, most of us here I'm sure have. We know the story. We've watched Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and you know, we've seen the movie, a lot of us have, have seen Chosen and some of the other movies, and we get an understanding of what's really going on here, um, how Pharaoh has just become this, this evil tyrant, and God is just saying enough is enough, and he uses Moses to deliver his people, okay? And, and that's similar to what is going to come on in the future, but it's also already came again with Jesus, okay? So... And I read chapter, you know, chapter twelve, verse seven, so that the Lord would, so that the Lord would pass over their house and spare the firstborn. That was the whole purpose of it, is so that He would see that they were obedient and they listened. And He sees the Lamb's blood on the doorpost, and He says, "Okay, those are my obedient servants. Pass on by." He allows them to, to stay. Okay, he's not going to harm them for that reason. Nikki, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Um, but I wanted to just um, interrupt while you were on there for on that spot for just a second because it was something that had dawned on me um, kind of recently about that with the blood. Um, you know, some people say, oh, well, we don't do that anymore and because of this or that or whatever they they have different reasons but if you think about it god is going to mark his people just like you know the devil has his mark you know the mark of the beast we also have the mark of the lamb and in a way to me it kind of feels like if you if you know did that part and i've never partaked in that this year will be my first year that i'm going to do that and uh with the hyssop branches and with the lamb's blood on the doorway but it's like we're marking you know god's given us instructions to be able to mark ourselves um so that way when he passes you know he'll pass over our homes that before when it was ordered it was to spare the firstborn but you know since jesus died on the cross like you said you know the that is the lamb partaking the, of the eating of the lamb is like eating of the sacrificial lamb, like Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. And that's what it tells us to do. And nowhere have I ever found it that it says different. But I was like, okay, well, maybe that's kind of like us marking ourselves, you know, for God. And that's God's instructions telling us to kind of mark ourselves. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, you know, obviously we don't go around marking ourselves with blood, but, you know, it's very biblical and very scriptural that, uh, because of the blood of Jesus, we are we are born again or we are saved because of that blood. Now, what most people fail to understand is this. We may not see a literal marking, but after we accept that, then comes the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And that in itself is a, is a marking. Technically, we are sealed. 
Okay, we have because during the time of the end, whether you believe in the pre-rapture, post-rapture, whatever, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that tonight. But um, during that time, you're you're sealed, and the Holy Spirit will be called off of the earth. Okay, and well, if the Holy Spirit's indwelling you, well, guess what? God's not going to take His mark of the Holy Spirit per se. We're we're looking at the Holy Spirit as a mark now, not a literal mark, of course. But that blood, that sacrificial blood, is is more important than we can even begin to imagine, on the level of technically, like you're saying, we we technically are marked because now God, through Jesus, sees us as His children. Therefore, we are marked. He can he can look out of His kingdom at any time, and He can spot His child anywhere. Now He can see other people too. But the, my point is this: because of that blood, we are marked given the gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells us, and we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Any input? Yeah, I was just, I was processing that and kind of just, <laughs> yeah, and you're right, you know, that's exactly true. Um, and, and very, very well said. Um, it was just kind of like, you know, how they do like with the mirror and good and bad. And it was kind of, I don't know, in a way symbolic a little bit. Not that I'm promoting anybody go splashing. Yeah, don't go splashing blood everywhere, please. We don't want massacres or nothing. But, you know, there was a certain way, you know, they even had to like even sacrifice the animal whenever they did the Passover meal. And um, we're supposed to have what the Passover lamb bitter herbs and unleavened unleavened bread and it starts instead of for passover um they go by the lunar calendar instead of um the gregorian so it'll actually start this year on april 5th correct and go through the um the 14th will be the end of the feast of unleavened bread I think I may have dropped that quality kind of went in and out just there. I saw yeah, it happen. Something like that. I always look at it as, as the beginning of the week, um, because that's actually what God told them to do. This he would mark this as the first, first day of the month of the month kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think you're actually correct with that. It's something I'd have to go back and, and recalculate and look at. Um, but yeah, you know, and the thing of it is too, is, is if you go back through Exodus and you read, and I think it's in chapter 12, he even tells them what kind of kind of lamb that you got to have, and and we always hear the stories and the songs about the spotless lamb, okay? And that was Jesus, of course. Um, so they he was very precise on even the type of lamb, just like okay, just like when the when the the third temple is built, they have to have the red heifer, and the red heifer has to be looked over. It has to be one hundred percent perfect. It can't have anything wrong with its teeth, its hair, its hooves, its eyes. Everything about it has to be perfect. Well, that was Jesus. You know, he was a spotless lamb. Exactly. Yeah. See, um, here it is. Numbers in Numbers nine, um, nine one starts the Passover. But it's the, um, after the Exodus. So the first month was a, a bib, A-B-I-D, a bid. 
or a bib. Um, that was the first month. And after they were, um, after the exodus from Egypt, they changed it to, and I'm never going to say it right, it's N-I-S-A-N, but I think, I said, okay. Some people actually say Nissan, but yeah, Nissan. Nissan. <laughs> Just have my but yeah, and so that's where it starts. Well, that's based off of the moon. And when that, so the first of the month of what would be the new year would technically fall on uh, March 23rd was the first of the sign. And so what we do from that is you take the 14th day of that month. So we go 14 days to that, which brings us to April 5th. And then at twilight, that's when they want us, to, or that's when God says that we're supposed to um, observe according to the statues and the ordinances. And so you, that's when you kill the lamb at twilight, cook it over um, fire. And at that time, I think they cooked everything together, but... Yes, from head from head to tail, and nothing was to be wasted. Right, and then if you whatever you didn't eat, come sundown or was it? It's yeah. not one one a.m. or something like that. You have to have it gone, and then the fire um, and burnt before morning. I yes. believe it. Oh, wait. that's right. How, so, so not to cut you off, whatever was not eaten had to be literally burnt to ash right and then if they didn't have so they would get what one lamb but and share it with uh with their neighbors and community so it wasn't like each one house had a one lamb unless your household could eat all that that because they didn't want it wasted so they would have big feasts especially like if somebody couldn't either afford one didn't have one or maybe there was two people in the home. And so, of course, two people aren't going to eat a whole lamb. So they would go and feast with someone else and have that at that time. But it had to be like fully cooked. And um, now the way that the meats are done in the commercialized industry, um, there's a lot of worshiping to other gods whenever they especially like foreigners that have um that do different meats or whatever chickens or cattle or whatever well they may sacrifice that meat to another god that's not sacrificed to our god so it's important to know where you're getting your food from you know even i, I know that's kind of it seems extreme but god told us you know we're only supposed to have it a certain way and we don't want to go against what he's saying. I mean, we've all been taught, or I have, I was taught the wrong way. And so trying to learn the correct way, that was one of the things that I discovered. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, I didn't ever think about that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that we've <laughs> we've not done the right way, as I've learned in, in my years of reading, you know. And, and you're correct about that. You know, some of these people, we don't know that they're not chanting or, but what I would say is this too that just like when Peter was praying on the rooftop and, and God sent a blanket down that had all kinds of creepy crawling and slithering things on it, 
Peter made a comment that nothing, nothing evil or, or something to that degree had passed beyond his lips. And God said that what I blessed is blessed indeed kind of thing. Okay, so I'm ad-libbing that. Don't take me word for word on that. So the point is, is that's why we're supposed to pray and ask the Lord to bless our food before we partake of it is because of just exactly what you're talking about is we don't know what these people are doing. We nowadays, we don't even know what they're putting in our stuff, you know? So it's important as a believer or child of God that we pray and we're all guilty of it. I, I don't pray every time I put something in my mouth. I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't ask the Lord bless. I just eat supper a while ago. And I, and I didn't do it till after I was, I'd started and then quickly and quietly, I just asked the Lord, you know, to, to thank him for the food that I have and et cetera, you know, but it's very important. I, I like that you brought that up. That's a very good point. Well, like with a lot of the halals and I mean, I'm not being racist or prejudiced. I'm just stating a fact here with halals. They will, they pray to their, a different God. And so when they're killing those animals and slaughtering the animals, they're not being prayed to for, to the right God. So we're eating meat that is in scripture that says you aren't supposed to eat it if it's been prayed to another, you know, if it's another God, you know, you're supposed to not. And that's why, you know, a lot of times a lot of the Jews would actually not even eat anything because they're like, I don't know what this came. But, you know, like you said, with that's the importance of blessing our food and then. With Jesus, too, he also said it's not what goes into, because I saw Douglas getting upset about the the chow bake. <laughs> so it's not, Jesus says, it's not what goes into the stomach that defiles a man. It's what comes out of his heart and mouth. Um, so that's where you're kind of, okay, he's not upset. Let me correct that. He had made a comment about it, though. Um, but that's where, you know, you kind of get to, where you're like, well, okay, so we're not supposed to. And then this is, it's, I guess, a personal choice on how you feel convicted in your heart on, you know, what you're going to do and, and not do, you know. And, and like with me, I, I love chicken and a biscuit crackers with the squirt cheese. And they are full of all kinds of bad stuff. So I just ask God to forgive me and, and let them not kill me and, and, and protect me from all the harm that it's going to do to my body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I totally guess about like eating a, you know, hot dog and we won't even get into that, you know, but it's, you know, I think it's also um, something real quick to talk about too, you know, in, in talking with the, the Passover, God's instructions about the Passover and how to observe it. You know, you can also find those, like you said a while ago, in Numbers chapter 9, Numbers chapter um, 28, Deuteronomy 16, and Leviticus 23. Now, the importance that I, and the only reason I mentioned those was because the importance here shows that God didn't intend, didn't intend Passover to be just a one-time thing. You know, you were talking about that earlier about y'all were going to do some things different this year. And I think that's great. I think that's awesome. Anything God lays on your heart, you you should be doing because there's a purpose for it. Um, but he didn't, he did not mean for that to just be a one-time thing. Um, but that it would remind the Israelites how God saved and spared them in obedience. You know, I think that's very important to look at too. A lot of times we hear the stories of Moses and and all this, and we're talking about Passover and people hear about that. But I think it's also important 
to remember that that wasn't just the end of it, folks. And again, we're not under the law by no means. Jesus fulfilled the law, but we're still, I say this, if God places it on your heart to do it, then it's not for anyone else to judge. You need to do it. That's a good, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to say that. And it's true because we're the only ones that, you know, I mean, we've got to account for our own sin and what we do and our decisions and our choices. Nobody else does. So when we have to go and, you know, when our time is up and, and we have to give account for everything we've done, you don't have to account for what I did. I don't have to account for what you did, and you know. So it, it's a personal, I think it's a very personal thing, especially after, you know, with Jesus and, and coming, there was a lot of things that, that changed and, um, and they rightfully so, I mean, he knew it was going to change and it should have changed. Um, but there's some of it that like with Easter, I, you know, I got brought my kids up and we did Easter egg hunts. And then I start learning about, with the eggs and the fertility goddess and the pagan part of it. And even like queen of heaven, you think a queen of heaven, you don't think anything bad. I mean, I didn't originally. And then I go looking it up and I'm like, Oh, this is like village of the damned. What are we, what is this? <laughs> I was like, Hey, this is not a good thing. This is a very bad thing. Right. And that just don't realize it. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, then the people that have children, especially that are young and have gone Easter egg hunting or whatever, and then they're trying to change it. It's been something that I've been trying to think about how to, you know, help others be able to to celebrate the right way because we don't want to to worship the wrong the wrong gods and the wrong ways. And and it is a um, Douglas said really good um, a personal journey. You know, and it is, um, but some of the things, you know, I think it is able to, like with words and spells, you know, spelling, it, it's the, it casts spells and it has power. So it's like, do you go ahead and change it so that way you can correct it or do you allow it to go on and try to, you know, do a different story with it or, you know, how do you approach that kind of situation when you've got children and it's laid on your heart? To not do that, how do you help someone that's trying to figure out how to be able to still keep their children involved to where their children don't feel like outcasts? Because, you know, there's a lot of things that we do here in the Western society that has to change, you know, that's not done in other places. But, you know, I mean, we have a very spoiled society. So it's like, where do you begin as a parent to start to change that? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, this is my advice with anything. As a parent, number one, you should be seeking the Lord's guidance. And if you're not, things are going to be, you know, all twisted up anyhow. Um, but at any point in anything, you can go back through Scripture. And when your walk starts becoming united with God, then it's only a matter of time before others in your family, you know, fall under the same convictions or different convictions. And, and everything starts to be coming together as the house that God meant for it to be and that's one of the biggest problems like you said and in our society we have so many different things we have so mm -hmm. many different different people here we have different cultures we have different 
everything's different. And, and sadly, all across the world, but especially in our country, we'll, we'll talk about our country, we've gotten away from, from God. I mean, I'm just going to be honest, folks. We, we are, and not all of it's our fault. Some of it is because we've believed other people, you know, or that's how we grew up kind of thing. But what I would say is this is, is the first and most important thing, number one, is to have a relationship with him. And number two is to get into the word because you really can't do either or without doing both. I was like, yes, I was trying to find, <laughs> I was going to one of those good claps. It's the only thing to work on Podbean is the audio effects. <laughs> Do it fast. Uh, All the way big enough. <laughs> oh, um, I was reading Douglas's or we believed ourselves we are our own worst enemies. That's true. Yeah, you're right, Jeff, you know, and that's, Priority one is getting that relationship with Jesus. You know, all of the other stuff will fall into place um, because we all are in different walks at different times and, and feel compelled. And that, that's the Holy Spirit moving inside of each of us, you know, saying, OK, well, we got need to do this or you need to do that. And as long as we follow it, then he's going to keep leading us exactly where he wants us and what we need to be doing. True. Very true. Um, you know, and I want to talk about something real quick here before I forget it. Um, as we were talking about the, about this Passover thing, I won't, I'm going to read, um, Exodus chapter 12, verse three through five. And I'm going to explain in a minute why I want you to pay close attention to verse five. So I want to read three, start at three here. Speak unto all, all the congregation of Israel saying in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man, a lamb according to the house, and you talked about this earlier, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Okay, verse 4, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. That's the number of the people that are there. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Pay close attention to verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about that again. Um, this verse to me, when you, when you read that, I th it should, I think to me it does every time, um, why Jesus was referred to the lamb, okay, and the Passover lamb. He was actually referred to as the Passover lamb. Um, I think it was in the book of John. Uh, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread begins with the Passover in the last seven days. And we talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, but like I said, verse 5 there, what, when you read that, your lamb shall be without blemish. I mean, that's always how we, we look at Jesus. There's, there's more to this. My point is there's more to this story of the Passover than a lot of us even realize. And I don't even believe that we, we could ever grasp everything that's in there to be quite honest. But there again, that's, you know, like we were talking before, that's why it's so important that we get into the word of God and we ask direction and we read because we're not going to know everything. I don't, I don't care who it is. You're, you're just not going to know everything. It's not meant for you to know everything, but there's little nuggets like I'm fixing to share with you. Okay. So we, we talked about 
when when he told them that you'll strike the doorpost, okay, one on each side. I want everybody to get clear your mind because you're going to love this. Go ahead and clear your mind. I'm going to give you just a second. You're standing in front of a door. There's a door straight ahead of you. And in this door frame, you have a post on the left and you have a post on the right. And above that, you have the door plate at the top. Okay. And the door is in the middle that you can pass through to get to safety. Now, he told them to put the blood on the left post and on the right post and also on the top post. But he did not tell them to put it on the threshold, the ground, where you enter into the home for safety. Check this out. As you're standing at Golgotha or Calvary, Jesus is standing in front of you as the top mantle, as we see it visualized in paintings, as he's higher up off the ground than the thieves on the left and the right. You have a thief on the left doorpost. You have a thief on the right doorpost. You have Jesus, which is the top plate. And he is the door that you enter into for safety. Notice God did not put any blood on the threshold. Why? Because you cannot trample the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Ain't that awesome? Amen there on that one, brother. Think about that now. That's powerful right there because it's almost like when God was telling him how to do this, you get a visualization of Jesus being that door that you enter into for security and you cannot trample under your feet the blood of Jesus. Remember the cross when his blood ran down, the people were all around it, but we have no no known facts of anyone who ever stepped in, but they may have. But the bottom line is this, Jesus is that door and the thieves are your post. That's awesome because that was all the way back in Exodus and we're going all the way back into the gospel over 400 years later to get this same Im imagery of Jesus and the thieves on the cross and how God used his Passover lamb to save the sheep from the goat. We just read that a while ago and where he talked about it and, he, and you shall take, out, take it out from the sheep or from the goat. That's what Jesus did. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you, Lord. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That I, see, I hadn't connected that before, but oh, that's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have that one stuck now. And, and I mean, it's, it's true. And it just goes to show how much, you know. I mean, even in the beginning, as far like you said, as far back as Exodus, and and when was that fulfilled? I mean, <laughs> a long time. Long time, over 400 years, you said? Well, so, you got to remember, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence. So it was well over 400 years. Yeah, so that's... That's a long time for a promise to be fulfilled there. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there again, it just gives that, you know, where Jesus has talked about... Um, and I took down a few notes on, on Easter as well to share real quick. I know we're getting close to being out of time, but, you know, it just, I just always find God, how he shows things so amazing. If you just, if you don't try to get in there and understand everything and be so, 
strict on yourself and hard on yourself with all the begots and these and thous and hitherto's. And if you just read his word and talk to him and, and, and look at it as this is God sitting in front of me talking to me, it's amazing how he will begin to show you things in your life. And, and those things right there, that's just, then that's just one thing. I mean, it's just one example, but it clearly gives you the idea that Jesus, even when, when the Lord passed by and killed the firstborn, he used that door as a way to escape death by blood. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus is our door to eternity to escape the wrath of God. That's to come by, by what? The blood. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way. Yeah. That's, door that's the only key yeah. he's also to the door absolutely absolutely and again like i said he's actually referred to we hear him all the time you know we, we talk about him being the lamb of god but he is technically he is referred to as the passover lamb um you know let me read a little bit about easter i've got it i've got wrote down some notes here and i think i wrote that in there too um and of course we all know easter is a christian holiday um, it, technically, it should just be called Passover holiday, but for, for whatever reasons, we, we've deemed it Easter. And, and most people know, unfortunately, in our society today, it's more about the bunnies and, and you know, the pagan side of it, the eggs and whatnot. Other. But, um, you know, at this Christian holiday, focus on the resurrection of Christ. That's, that's technically what Easter is, is focusing on the resurrection of Christ. You know, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He went to the cross and died. Okay, he was placed in a tomb and he rose again. I mean, we can find these stories all through the gospel, especially like Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 20. And this is why, you know, especially to me, Easter week is the most important time of the year. Uh, the meaning of Easter is that the Son of God was the Passover lamb, okay, whose blood saved me and us, everyone here tonight, if you're, you're or in the world, if you're a born again child of God, okay, from the wrath, even by death, by the raising from the dead, also. I mean, so not only did he do just, you know, save us from, from the torment that was, but he also is able to raise us from the dead now once, once we accept him. Nothing doesn't say that we have to remain in the ground. And I know there's a lot of controversy over that too. Some people think that you're, you lay in the ground and you're asleep until the second coming of Christ. But, you know, there again, it does say that the dead and the Christ shall rise first. But it also says in there that they will be called up to meet with their souls in heaven. So that tells me that their, their soul is already in heaven. They're waiting on their body. Why are they waiting on their body? Because they have to receive a glorified body. Okay. Jesus did the same thing. You get three bodies, folks. Did you know that? You go through scripture and read it. You get three bodies. You get the one you got now, and then you'll get your, your glorified kind of body. And then there's this, this one last body that you'll get for all eternity. Um, it's just amazing how, and again, there's three, so there's numerology. It's just amazing how God does things. And if we just take the time to, to read, we're not going to know everything, but it's just, it's just awesome. I, I'm just always taken back by by the things that he shows me and others and then i've learned a lot from other people god didn't give me all this stuff i've learned things from other people and it's people like us sitting here tonight that god may show you something you share that someone else never knew and now they know and and they can share it see why it's so important fellowship oh yeah that's so so true. 
brother. Um, so I was looking up some things about Easter and I pulled up, I was trying to get, you know, I was, I use the NASB Bible. Um, it's just the one that I like, although I do like the King James Version as well. I love the Old English, but for me, um, the one that I found has been the NASB. But I wanted to get something that would be an all-around kind of broad, you know, still accepted reference um, to go back for that's had lots of... Uh, theologians and pastors and stuff all over that have had input. And so I went under the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia online and looked up Easter. And Easter is, um, or Esther, and not like Esther in the Bible, but it's E-S apostrophe T-E-R. It's Pasha from Aramaic, Pasha, Pasha, I'm not going to say it right, and Hebrew Pekka. Um, the Passover festival. The English word comes from the Anglo-Saxon Estre or Estira, a Teutonic goddess to whom sacrifice was offered in April. So the name was transferred to the Paschal Feast. The word doesn't properly occur in scripture, although the King James Version has it in Acts 12, 4, which is when Peter um, was arrested. Um, it said, and when he had a... And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four Quaternians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. But that was referring to Passover. And then it continues on to say um, where it stands for Passover as it is rightly rendered in the revised version in the British and American says there's no trace of Easter celebration in the New Testament, although some would see an intimidation of it in 1 Colossians 5-7. And that's where I started you know, having some issues just with the wording. And I think that's something that we need to, and it's going to be hard because I've called it Easter for so long and didn't even understand. I mean, I knew what Passover was, but I thought they were the same thing. And then I learned, oh, well, there's a little difference. Um, and so this is, you know, where I'd gotten that. And it says here also that um, it does say the Jewish Christians in the early church continue to celebrate the Passover regarding Christ as the true paschal lamb. And this naturally passed over into a commemoration of the death and resurrection of our Lord or an Easter feast, which was preceded by the fast, which is, I think, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it says one party it's ending at the hour of the crucifixion. At, um, for example, at three o'clock on Friday, by another as continuing into the hour of the resurrection before dawn on Easter morning. And it says differences arose as to the time of the Easter celebration. The Jewish Christians naturally fixing it at the time of the Passover feast, which was regulated by the Paschal moon. According to this reckoning, it began on the evening of the 14th day of the moon of the month of, and this it says it Nican, N-I-C-A-N without regard to the day of the week, while the Gentile Christians identified it with the first day of the week, um, an example, the Sunday of resurrection, irrespective of the day of the month. This latter practice finally prevailed in the church, and those who followed the other reckoning were stigmatized as heretics. But differences arose as to the proper Sunday for the Easter celebration, which led to long and bitter controversies. The Council, Council of Nice, N-I-C-E, 
325 AD decreed that it should be on Sunday, but did not fix the particular Sunday. It was left to the Bishop of Alexandria to determine since that city was regarded as the authority in astronomical matters, and he was to communicate the result of his determination to the other bishops. But this was not satisfactory, especially to the Western churches, and a definite rule for the determination of Easter was needed. By some, it was kept as early as March 21st, and by others as late as April 25th, and others followed between uh, dates in between. And it says the rule was finally adopted in the 7th century to celebrate Easter on the Sunday following the 14th day of the calendar moon, which comes on or after the vernal equinox, which was fixed for March 21st, which is the that's the spring equinox. This is not always the astronomical moon, but near enough for practical purposes and is determined without astrono astronomical calculation by certain. Oh, man, I'm getting tongue twisted now. By certain intricate rules adopted by ecclesiastical authority. And then it, it goes on into a whole bunch more. But um, so it kind of bails. It's kind of like Sabbath day and Saturday as far as that part goes on when they celebrate it. But like you were saying, you know, in Exodus, it tells us and in Numbers, it tells us um, what and how. And God lays it out. And it's not just like you said, it's not just a one time thing, which a lot of people seem to think oh it's one and done but it should be an, a yearly event right mm -hmm. and so i really you know i thought it was really interesting to kind of to look at that and read it and and just kind of you know look at things that i never you know i didn't realize just like you know with the goddess um the pagan goddess of fertility i was just like oh this is crazy <laughs> yeah you're you're exactly you know and unfortunately we've you know that's that's the thing too we've gotten like i said earlier with the the bunnies and the you know and one of my favorite commercials is the cadbury egg commercial where the the lion goes balk balk you know but still we we shouldn't even be doing that stuff because it's all been twisted um and i want to say something real quick Guys, when I refer to God's word talking about Jesus being the Passover lamb, that's not, don't go looking for it written Passover lamb of God in the Bible because you're not going to find it. But what I'm referring to is John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Okay. And again, in this passage, in its context, it's talking about um, the Passover lamb of God. Okay. So. I wanted to make sure everyone understood me on that before we got too far ahead. I'm glad you found, I couldn't find, I was looking for that verse. I knew it was in John. Remember where, because I was going to put it up there for you. And I was like, I know it's somewhere in John, but which John? You know, John wrote a whole lot of stuff in the Bible. It was yeah. like, where at John is it? Yeah, you know, really, John and, and Paul wrote the, actually the truth of the majority of of the new testament especially paul um a lot of his books in there um but yeah so just so you get an understanding when you read this in in context where jesus is coming 
he says, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's exactly what the Passover lamb technically was used for. And, and quite honestly, some, some still use it for that too. You know, they, they, some, some of the Jewish people still practice their, you know, their Passover stuff where they're, they're, they go to their priests and they're, they're shedding the blood. They're doing the unleavened bread. And I'm not so sure we all shouldn't be doing those things. Although I will say I have a love for animals. It'd be hard for me to, to do something like that to an animal. But if there, again, if God commanded me to do it, then I hate it. I'm going to do it. Sorry about Gabs. She was just sitting there, you know, barking along. She is agreeing with, you know, like, yeah. you know, and see, that's the thing. Um, and I was watching uh, something on parable of the beard. I'm sorry guys about the, I, I, I can't control this crazy dog. Um, it was on parable of the vineyard and he was talking about how they do a Passover feast out in Missouri every year. Um, and I think it's pretty cool. Um, they, they've kind of new since they started it and I'll share it in knickknacks on telegram. Um, for those of y'all listening, it's, uh, t.me slash Nikki's N I K K I S knacks N A K S. Um, so you can find all of the stuff in there, but he was talking about how, you know, a vegan, you know, it's like, okay, so even if, you know, because he was a vegetarian and, and did the vegan thing for a little bit, and he's like, I understand, but um, he said, you know, think about what Jesus did for us. Can you not eat one bite of the lamb that's symbolic of Jesus? Can you not stomach one bite when he took the lashes for us? And I'm sorry, I'll take all, you know, I'll eat the whole daggum thing if I need to. <laughs> Jesus did so that you know he he did more than and that's that it you know with grace and mercy is it's what we don't deserve but he did and you know so I mean I could take a bite and I think a lot of it the the hard part of it as far as like killing the lamb is that we're so far removed from that because now many people you know at that time that's that's how people live they grew their food they. You know, you ate what you grew. There was not any going down to the local Publix or Ingalls or Whole Foods or, you know, there was none of that. You go to the market and swap out, but there were no big grocery stores. So, you know, you you did what you needed to do to be able to have food, and that was one of them. But I think that's part of the reason why it was such a special meal, too, and why you're supposed to eat all of it at once, because, I mean, that's... A, it's a lot of food to eat at once, you know, if you think about it. And with the unleavened bread, too, you're going to get full. And, I mean, think about it. It's, it's like barbecue because you can cook it over the fire or smoke it and some good uh, brisket. <laughs> lamb, lamb brisket. Yeah, and for all y'all that hadn't eaten supper, sorry. Yeah, I hadn't either. So, hey myself too guys well jeff it looks like we've like went way a little well not way over time but a little over time um part of it was my technical difficulties with the internet but we're gonna blame it on because it was its fault it just wouldn't give me connection um would you be would you honor us with leading us with a prayer tonight um to close this out sure yeah i don't mind at all you know and thank thank you for having me on again i mean i'll, I'll always enjoy you know, chatting with you and just thankful that I'm, you know, even, even a part of this whole thing. 
Um, it's, it's such a, to be quite honest, it, it is an honor to me. Um, I enjoy talking to people about things that the Lord has showed me. And I, and I don't know a lot, but I still enjoy talking about the things that God has showed me over the years. And, and it's just a, a pleasure to get around here with, you know, all these great people and, and just talk about these things. And if you, you know, I, I don't see how people go through their life without having a relationship with the Lord. I just, that is one thing that'll always remain a mystery to me because I guess because I've done it for so long, maybe, I don't know, but um, we're all blessed. We're all blessed to be here. We're all blessed to even be able to read his word. And, and we need to, as, as you said, we need to get into more of it and we need to start bringing our families back into it because quite honestly, folks, if, if this world, this nation, especially, um, if, if it doesn't do some repenting and turning back to God, well, I don't see just unless God shows favor, I don't see much of anything turning around. I'm not saying he can't do it. He can do anything he wants to. Um, but we need to, we need to get into the meat of the word and, and we need to be reading every day. And that's one thing I like about your show that you do, you know, during the day, sister scripture, um, you, you don't get on there and you don't, you don't talk a lot, really. You basically read the scripture. So it's almost like turning, going down the road, you know, you just throwing on your, your audio for your, your Bible. You know, you're able to, to hear somebody read God's word to you. And that's a, you know, some people say, well, that, that that's just a simple thing. Well, no, it, it's not quite as just simple as simple. Um, there's a lot of words you have to pronounce and there's a lot of things and a lot of emotions you go through when you're reading that. And it's just, um, you know, I appreciate you for doing that because it's, it's a blessing. You know, some people may say it's a small thing, but remember folks, it doesn't matter what you're doing for God because there is no, well, he was greater than he was. No, if you're doing work for the Lord, it's as equal for one person as it is the other, you know? So with that being hey, said, let uh, me, uh, prayer just a second, because Ryan reminded me of something. We have a, for you uh, <laughs> we're gonna put you on the spot jeff had no idea about this question and he really didn't until like later this afternoon when i messaged him hey you want to come on the show tonight talk about passover easter paganism and he's like sure yeah okay and i was like yes thank you brother uh so we are um because you know like you mentioned with sister on scripture i We've been doing a little bit more breakdown, and I've slowed it down just a little bit because I can talk very fast. That's the southern gal in me. But we were um, we were discussing Jeremiah 7, and so that way you can go ahead and flip to it while I'm talking. Um, specifically, Jeremiah 7, 16. And we were discussing about how this is the passage. It says, as for you... Do not pray for this people and do not lift up cry or, cry or prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I do not hear you. And that was uh, the Lord talking about um, the people sinning and being just doing abominations and not even caring. And so we were discussing today, like we, we were taught that we're supposed to pray for others, but in this way, God say it don't pray and it's like huh. now, which which verse did you say that was a good chapter and verse? Seven seven sixteen. Okay, Jeremiah seven sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me get there really quick, quick as I can here. 
And Narayan said, yeah, and our enemies. Because we're taught to pray for, you know, for friends as well as our enemies, to pray for them to repent and to turn back from what they've done wrong and to seek Jesus. And here, um, so just so we get the whole context before that, it says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who entered the, by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus, Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are, tr you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods, that you have not known, then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name and say, we are delivered that you may do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I have seen it, declares the Lord. But go now to my place, which is was which was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people, Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early, speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to the place which I gave you and your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all of your brothers, all the offspring of Ephraim. As for you, do not pray for this people, and do not lift up cry or prayer for them, and do not intercede with me, for I do not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women need dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven, and they pour out libations to other gods in order to spite me. Um, and then it continues on, but so we were talking about like, God, saying, don't, don't ask for prayer. Don't ask me. to. So we were like, well, this is new. Why, why is God saying not to do that? They were doing is so wrong, but should we not be still seeking that? And why, what, what's your thoughts on that? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> So everybody prepare yourself mentally because this this is some of the, as Paul referred to, the meat of the word. Um, and for new, excuse me, and for young Christians who are just starting out, this is going to be sort of deep. So I'm going to try to explain this the best that I can. Again, we're looking at the Old Testament, which was set forth by laws, rules, things that God said, how very strict they were. Okay, and then we go into the New Testament where the Son of God is born, Jesus Christ. And because of what He did and He come and fulfilled the law, 
we are to pray for people. We are to forgive people. Now, remember, these are things Jesus asked us to do. This is New Testament, not Old Testament. Old Testament, you're still under the, the law and the strictness. Remember, God not only said here not to pray for them, and he's exactly right. He was telling them not to pray for them because he wasn't going to hear it know how because he had already looked down with disgust on what they were doing, the evil they were doing. Remember, God makes the rules. He doesn't need our permission. He doesn't need us to look up and say, well, Lord, I just don't think that's fair. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. You know, I know this is, this is pretty strong words, but I'm just telling you the facts. Okay, you go through, look, we just talking about Exodus a while ago when, when Moses went time after time after time to Pharaoh, God sent him to try to soften his heart, to try to get him to let his people go, okay? And Moses pretty much was pleading with the Lord to work a way out. And God pretty much, in my words, said, well, you can go to him again, but I'm going to harden his heart. He's not going to hear what you got to say. There's a reason for that, because this is all, you got to understand something, folks. This is, this is all God's plan against Lucifer. Okay, there's two there's two things at work here. There's God and there's Lucifer and everything's in the middle. And I know you some people might be saying, "Well, <laughs> I don't want no part of that." Well, no, hold on a minute. Yes, you do. Okay? Because here's the thing. Even though we're in the mix of things, look go through all them stories and read those stories on how God delivered the people who were obedient, who listened to him, who did what you know, you got to think about it. why did Lucifer get and the and a third of the angels get kicked out of heaven because they didn't listen. They were disobedient. Okay, so God's making sure that you're going to be there as an obedient servant. Now, praise the Lord, Jesus come, and now, regardless, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be. But these are Old Testament times. I mean, you got to remember back too, where the Lord said, Jacob, Jacob, I have loved, Esau, I have hated. So these people who go into the church and, and they tell this stuff that God is all love and God is all merciful. Yes, he most certainly is. Thank him, praise him, glory to God that he is all loving, merciful. But never forget this. He makes the rules. He is in control. He says yes to this and no to that, not us. And when we remove ourselves out of the way, we begin to see just how glorious the Lord is in everything that he does. Now think about this. If you, let's say that you were here and you were God, okay? And, and you had told these people time after time after time, don't do this, don't do that. How many, how many, how many of you folks out there hearing my voice right now have ever told your child, I told you not to do that and you did it anyway. And what was the repercussion of that? Well, most parents, there's going to be a form of discipline, right? Well, then why can't the Lord God Almighty discipline as well? His discipline is different sometimes than ours is. Doesn't mean he don't love us. Sometimes it's for the best. I mean, what, what if you were this Christian that, you know, maybe you were getting ready to do something horrendous and maybe maybe the Lord allowed your life to be taken to keep you from doing that so you wouldn't have to answer for that in heaven. So we don't look at things like God does. And I'm sorry to say 
God is all love, but he's also a jealous God. He is also a wrathful God. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? But he's look at how many people brought all the Israelites out of bondage. He led them in a promised land. He made Abraham the uh, to rise up and, and be the man of many nations, okay? His children came forth and did fantastic things for the Lord. You got David. David sinned, but God loved him. But yet God chastised him when when he when his wife Bathsheba was first conceived. God took their first son because of what David had done. And because of the things that David had done, God didn't allow him to build a third temple, but he allowed his son. So see, we didn't, don't get in the frame of mind of going, ooh, wait a minute, I can't believe God would do that. No, no. I promise you, if you go on and read the story, there's a reason for this. And he's telling people, I'll, you go ahead and don't pray for him because even if you do, I'm not going to hear it. But these people were doing things that God blatantly told them not to be doing. They were evil, such as the Canaanites and Babylon and all these other things. You know, so... It's um, we have to remember, folks, that and I know this sounds harsh and don't don't take me wrong. Um, but again, this is something that the Lord has has showed me that even even when he does things like this, such as you, you were just reading in Jeremiah or whether you go back to Exodus or whether you go back to Elijah, um, you remember Elijah Elijah was told not to spare the women or the children kind of thing, you know, and there was Gideon and all these people. There was a reason for that because God does not like evil. And the only way to get rid of evil is like cancer. You have to remove it all. Just look, go back to the flood. Okay. Doesn't mean that God didn't love these people. It just meant that, okay, you're out of control and I've got to do what I've got to do. Okay, so I hope I hope I explained that to where you could understand. God here is not saying that he he technically hates these people per se, but what he is saying is, um, I am the Lord thy God, and I ain't tolerating this mess. Okay, sort of like a, a dad of his house when his son comes in drunk or being disruly or bows up to him. That dad still loves his son or should. Okay, but let's talk about a home where the dad does love his son. He he loves his son, but that don't mean that if he bows up to him, dad ain't gonna put him on the ground and show him who's boss. Okay, so I hope I hope I did that some justice in trying to explain that. I think you did really good. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Explanation. We were we were talking about it, and I was like, anybody come back with it? And I didn't have a chance to really like look into it because you know, there's only a couple things that's been going on around here, so just a few. <laughs> Not like I don't have anything on my plate, or you know, all this yeah. free time. So I didn't, and I felt bad because I was like, ah, oh, I want to know, you know, why, why, why? And that's me. I'm going to ask those questions. So thank you. That was a very good explanation, and that really did help. Thanks. You know, and and I would say something to you and everyone else listening. Okay, I, I once was a a new Christian. Okay, and and <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't I didn't understand all these things, and it took a lot of prayer and God putting the right people in my life and making time to read His Word and pray that the Holy Spirit would guide me before I even began to read His Word, that it is the more you read, 
you start to be understand who who God really is and and his nature and his spirit and then it's like it just becomes instantly that well yeah I don't care what anybody says I know who God is okay I got a relationship with him he showed me things you know it's it, it's like meeting a person you when you first meet a person there's a lot you don't know about that person but guess what the more you hang around that person the more you begin to learn about that person and and you see good things and there may be some things that you don't agree with okay but at the end of the day there's one thing to take away from it all he is the creator and the created are never above the creator I can't get sound effects on here, so I'll do them myself, you know. I like that. Music the other day, I did sing this little light of mine, so. <laughs> we just, yeah, right. God gives us that power to, to improvise. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on and and just being insightful. And I've really, Thursdays have kind of been more of the religion day and Monday's kind of our medical day. And, and I just love it. I love what God's doing in all of our lives and, and, you know, for so many and just bringing us all together. I mean, that was one of the greatest gifts ever. And just like you, you're saying, you know, in the beginning, none of us knew each other but over time we've developed conversations and friendships and some of us have met and you know developed even more friendships and bonds and it, it really morphs into a true fellowship and i think this is the intention and in what jesus i mean maybe not the exact thing that he had in mind but you know he got us back on the path where he wanted us and he'll detour us every single time it doesn't matter i mean he'll let us stray down the wrong road but he's going to detour us right back to where we he wants us to be yes. we that sometimes take the long route or you know have a hundred different detours on a little short 20 minute trip that's what i did uh i had a million different detours on a little bitty small road but hey, you know, God got us here and and I'm just thankful and blessed and grateful to have you and all of this wonderful family that we have. And I guess it's uh, I've ran over Conley's time and we've got the Echoes um, Bible Buddies is going on. I told him we were running a little bit late that I ran over, but we're coming soon. So if you will lead us in prayer, I'm not rushing you at all. Whatever God puts on your heart. I love your prayers, Jeff. I love you as a brother. I love this whole family. And I'm just so blessed and honored to have all of you guys here y'all are wonderful yeah same same here and again thank you for having me on let's uh we'll pray and uh we will get everybody out of here and then they can go do what they want to do it's been my pleasure being here and i i thank god for allowing it so let's bow our heads most gracious kind heavenly father we just come to you and thank you and praise you today for for the passover lamb for the things that you've taught us lord and i pray that each person here tonight, whether they be a new Christian or maybe older and have been reading more for years, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will indwell them in a way that they can they can understand your scripture, that they can put it in place in their lives and that it moves, Lord, that just like you were speaking to them, sitting in front of them. Father, we thank you for this time. We've had a fellowship and, and Lord, we just pray that this message will go out and reach those it needs to reach. Lord, we ask for a special prayer for all those who are sick and hurting, Duncan, and, and so many more around us, Rod Cook's wife, and, 
and things people are doing in their lives, like me stepping out and, and changing jobs and things. Lord, we, we don't know where all these roads are going to leave us, Lord. But what we do know or what I do know is that you're in control. And, and I thank you and I praise you for that tonight. And, and Lord, I just pray you'd bless that person who has, uh, has, is going to be doing a kind favor, whoever they are, um, towards me because you've laid it on their heart to do so. Lord, I just pray your blessings would pour out of heaven upon them, Lord. And I know they already have. Lord, we thank you for all the prayers that you answer us, Lord, the, the things you give us each and every day that we take for granted, the beautiful birds that sing, you know, our skies and, and, and our families and the people that we meet here on this platform and other platforms. There's just so much to thank you about. But right here tonight, I just want to thank you for the Passover lamb. Thank you, Christ Jesus, that you came to this earth and, and you were, were found sinless. You were perfect. You were that lamb that had no spot and you went to that cross. You did in obedience what the Father said had to be done. And because of that, now we can have eternal life. Thank you and praise you, Christ Jesus, for doing that. And we give all glory to God for doing what he did to get us into that place and help us to understand that you are loving but yet you do have a wrathful side. And that's why it's so important that we are obedient to you. I pray that you would bless all those out there tonight who are even just mentioning your name, whatever their need is. I pray that you would minister to them. And in all things, all things, Lord, may your will be done because it is perfect. In Christ Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful Beautiful, wonderful prayer. I'm so excited to see what's in store for you, brother. I know God has great on the horizons for you and for Insidious. And, and the, he's just doing wonderful things in so many lives. And it's just so wonderful. And, and it's beautiful. So thank you again for being here. Thank you, Insidious, for dropping those links. Or not links, but the scriptures in chat. Girl, you are super duper fast. Um, I appreciate you all. I love you guys. And I hope y'all have a wonderful, blessed night, sweet dreams. And I'm going to give y'all some dancing desert music. Uh, as that Psalms 104 in ancient Hebrew. If it plays through right. Have a wonderful night, guys. God bless.
All right, guys, that was Psalm 104, sung in ancient Hebrew by the Yama Ensemble. I have that in knickknacks um, with the words, so if you want to follow along um, and read it. It was a really good song. I liked the beat, and it was really happy. So y'all have a great night. God bless, and I will see you online somewhere. Next show for me will be on Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We will be resuming Sister on Scripture, Book of Jeremiah, Chapter 9. We did um, 7 through 9, 3 today. So we'll pick up 9, 3 and continue on as the Lord leads. So y'all have a wonderful, blessed night. Great weekend. Be safe, and I'll see you online. God bless.